0: So when the cop came, deputy sheriff, he said, um, people think you're going to jump. You're going to do something like that? I said, no, I'm not going to do anything extraordinary. Something extraordinary happens. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, if a portal opens, you know, portal yeah a window if i look see and i see another reality another world i'm going to try to go in there so he says okay other than that you're going to come down i said yeah he says no problem back in december 21st of 2012 people thought i was going to jump off the top of bell rock um, they were following i had a countdown journal from january of 2011 uh, to december of 2012 and people would follow that And I talked about a leap of faith, so they interpreted that leap of faith, me jumping off the top of Bell Rock into a portal. But in order for a portal to open, I would need to have brought up 1111 people to be numerically synchronistic with the time of the winter solstice back in 2012. And I couldn't do that in time. But I knew I at least felt it because I didn't meet my burden, so to speak.
1: I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to UFAMED, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. On this edition, we play the game inside the game with Peter Gersten in search of a vortex and a world that is not all that it may seem. It's 6.30 a.m. I'm in Sedona, with a producer for the show, Chelsea Weber Smith, we're meeting the vortex jumper, Peter Gersten, at Bell Rock. It's an imposing landscape. You can't help but get lost in the awe of the towering red rocks that surround you. It's magical, and really hot already.
0: Hey, Peter. Peter. Good, morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
1: So good, oh, how are you doing? <laughs> good to see you, good my friend. You. Yeah, good so good to here. meet you. I'm not a climber. I'm your, uh, barely a hiker at this time in my life, oh, so right. the idea so of right. scrambling and lifting yeah, myself that's up that's a that's vertical similar. red rock is uh, yeah, more than a mental change. Change. challenge. It's perhaps a health and safety concern.
0: Yeah, a bit. What's in here, just water, I think? Just um, oh, you got some water equipment? and
1: camera and stuff. Yeah, yeah OK.
0: It's only 600 feet from the bottom to the top. It's more of a mental challenge than physical.
1: We push fear aside. Getting to the top wins us an interview with Gersten. So that is what we'll do next on Euphomet, right after this.
0: (laughs) You can do whatever you want, but you have to come to the top.
1: Wouldn't miss it for the world.
0: Okay, we will continue on our journey to the top. So I moved permanently to Sedona in 2000 and lived in this one apartment for 11 years. And then I got this assignment, so to speak, this game, whatever it was, whatever it is, to take a certain number of people to the top of Bell Rock by a certain date. The first challenge was to take 1111 to the top of Bell Rock by December 21st of 2012. Once again, to be numerically synchronistic with the winter solstice, because the winter solstice of 2012 was exactly 1111 universal time. But it wasn't for another a year and nine months that I started couchsurfing. And couchsurfing was like a godsend. That was the way I was going to be able to bring people up in the beginning i would go on surfing website and if anybody was coming to sedona or flagstaff or anywhere near here i would invite them to stay in sedona and um as long as they agreed to come to the top of bell rod i was the only attorney that sued the government for ufo information under the freedom of information act so People would follow me, be on radio shows, TV shows, documentaries. Back in '77, when I first did the lawsuit at the CIA, uh, everybody thought that I'd be ridiculed and you know made fun of. But no, because I I was pretty well respected in court, trying the murder cases. I was pretty successful. So now I'm getting involved in this. Um, so they like stepped a little closer. And I remember I was picking a jury in a murder case. And all of a sudden, the judge says, excuse me, Mr. Gerson, can you approach the bench? I said, okay, and went up, you know, and I said, did I say something inappropriate, judge? I didn't hear an objection from the prosecutor. He says, no, no, I just need to tell you what I saw the other night. I said, judge... (laughs) Can we wait for the break? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, court officers would come up. I saw you on television. You know, I have a friend who I saw. Yeah, I would be the repository for all their information because they had nobody else to talk to that would at least listen to them and at least give them some, okay, yeah, they exist, these things. You didn't, you know, you weren't hallucinating, you know, things like that. So... I was there holding space for so to speak for these people who saw these objects. People would follow me. I was their hero until I moved to the Sedona and started talking about 1111 and portals and winter solstices and things like that and then they took this step back. Well, wait a second, you know, he moves to Sedona and he goes a little off the edge. But they loved the story, you know, it was a great story so they kept on following it. i was still on the same radio shows, documentaries um, and so forth and so on. So, you know, everybody would still follow me. Maybe they would peek out of the closet so they wouldn't get too contaminated by what I was saying, you know, but yeah. When I was growing up, I came in in 1942. UFOs made the headlines in 1947. By the 50s, the books were out. And they were talking about a lot of wild things, these books, contacts and and these strange craft and I would read every single book and magazine that came out about it. It was amazing. And when I went to sleep, I would imagine, I lived in New York City and this area. In the middle of the area was a big circle of grass and fountains. And I would imagine a UFO landing there and me walking on. There were two fascinations when I was a child, UFOs, and then later on a little bit, December 21st of 2012. This thing about 2012, December 21st, resonated, clicked with me. The end of the Mayan calendar, the end of the world. Why would the Mayans think that? And I'm fascinated by this. I would read the books, follow it. So my attention was always on this, December 21st, 2012. So then I get a, an email or a letter. Peter, you're not going to believe this, OK? I, OK, what is it? The time of the winter solstice of 2012 is at exactly 1111, universal time. And 1998 is when I came in contact with the 11-11 phenomenon, and that really resonates with me. I said, whoa, okay. So I guess these other things would capture my attention until this point that I needed to now see the connection with the 11-11. Nothing happens before the perfect time, a minute early, a minute late, perfect. Everything is so choreographed and controlled by you know whatever cosmic computer so that made sense okay there's some connection to it you know and then i started connecting the dots with the symbolism and things like that and that's how i came up with my story basically the only thing i pay tribute to or honor in this reality is the symbolism of 11:11, you know because that's, I was part of that phenomena. I was never part of the UFO phenomena, seeing UFOs or anything, just listening to people's stories or seeing lights in the sky. But I was part of that 1111 back in 98. I saw it all the time, you know, it became my number. Some would
1: claim that noticing 1111 on a more than regular basis is one of the most common paranormal experiences today. Many recognize 1111 as a clarion call of sorts the universe urging us to pay attention to the synchronicities around us to help us make better decisions. In any case, saying 1111 is an influence on Peter's life would be a huge understatement. 1111 for Peter, for this game, for his story, was a game changer.
0: So in my story, The Vortex Jumper, once he reaches 70, gets information. Coincidentally, I turned 70 in March of 2012. So I believed that I was going to get certain information what would occur nine months from then in December, you know? Because, like, this is a game. So I got to, like, use the analogy of what you see out there, right? So, what you see out there is that if you reach a certain level successfully, you get more, whatever it is weapons, charms, spells, information, you know, prizes. So i figured okay that's what i would have programmed for myself right i would have programmed myself if i make it to 2012 and i'm in the right place which i definitely was in that apartment then i'm going to get this information and i would put this i was on facebook and i had the countdown journal and i would put this out there so all, all my followers from you know from ufo days and from sedona like were watching this okay he's going to get some information so sometime i guess the end of february beginning of march my daughter calls me and she says dad i want to go swim with the dolphins on your birthday i said fine so i put that on facebook and she says and everybody on, oh you're gonna get the information from the dolphins you know what i mean they're gonna really you know the night before you're gonna have a dream and they're gonna come to you in a dream or once you go swimming with them you touch them you're gonna instant download you know flash visions We went down to the Atlantis Hotel in the Bahamas, and I'm swimming with the, um, we're doing, there's a Dolphin K, it's like a lake around, and there's groups of like 10 people, a trainer, a dolphin, and a photographer. And most of them, they were kids actually there. So I was in this group of 10, and we do all kinds of things with dolphins, we go out and we hold them and we kiss them. So it's my turn to go up, you know, and the trainer says, come on up. Dolphin comes out of the water, backflips as I go over. To hold the front flippers goes for my hand, bites down on my hand. I fall back, right? Look down at my hand, it's all bloody. Right? My daughter says, What happened? Um, and I said, A dolphin bit me. My daughter starts laughing, dolphins don't bite. I said, This one bit me. And he says, the trainee says, Oh, that's a sign of affection. So um, no problem swimming around, get up, walking to the lock of my daughter, and I all of a sudden was surrounded by the staff. Take us into the tent. There's a manager there. Long story short, she takes me to the hospital. Now, if I'm going to program a dolphin bite for myself, I'm going to make sure it didn't hurt. And in no time did the bite hurt. So um, puts ointment on it, bandages it up, sends me back to the hotel. So I'm walking out of the hospital. I'm saying to myself, hmm, okay. I didn't have a vision when I touched the dolphin, you know what I mean? I didn't get any information, but there was definitely some interaction. That I would have never even thought, you know, would have been a dolphin bite, you know what I mean? That's gonna give me the information. So the next morning I took off the bandage, right? And this is what I saw. Oh man. You know what that is? Yeah. Eleven eleven. Oh man. Eleven eleven. So, I got a download of information with it saying, it's the mark of the dolphin. It's what you need to get through the portal. It's almost like, yeah, this animal just gave you this stamp, this barcode that's gonna get you through this, okay? Now, to show you as the perfect example that whatever I programmed is always better, at least on the same level as what I can think of, I had an intuitive feeling that I needed something like that years before. That I needed something. I should have realized that if I needed something, I would have programmed it. And this is what I needed. The eleven eleven.
1: Chelsea's with Peter at the top. I'm some 50 feet below, taking in the sheer majesty of this place. Feeling dizzy from it all, but thankfully, Chelsea came along and at least one of us made it to the top. When you came up here and you were talking about a vortex uh, in 2012, was there a location to that? Is there somewhere I can look or was it more of just an experience?
0: What does that mean to you, vortex? The vortex? The information that Sedona has for vortexes Mm -hmm. was channeled. To several people at different times. I think the first one was in the 60s, the second one was in the 70s, Lane Bryan, and she wrote a book about it. Her conclusion was that there were four vortexes um, masculine and feminine. Bell Rocks, the masculine energy, Cathedral Rocks, the feminine energy, and I guess Airport Mesa and Boynton Canyon are uh, a combination of both, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so I call it the Sedona mythology. It's great for tourism. It's great for the people that come here. Some it's all subjective. Some people feel and and get emotional, at, mm-hmm. either on Bell or Cathedral or some other places. And I like taking people out of their comfort zones because once you come out of your comfort zone, you get an instant download of self-confidence, free. Um, so vortex or not, it's like so beautiful. Um, I had a a friend that wrote an article about why there's, why the energy is different here and he said basically it's the combination of the green, the red and the blue frequencies coming together here and raising the vibration. Um, It's definitely a magical place. Um, It's definitely a very special unique place. When I had my
1: eyes closed up there for a long time, and I opened them, it was just everything was blue. Really?
0: Yeah. Huh? Wow. I don't know what that means. I don't know. If it's I don't it know. It's, it's pretty like subjective, it. it's you know. Subjective, of course. Yeah. People come up. Some people sit on that second place and actually feel mm-hmm. energy. Other people, I don't feel energy from the rocks. Even though, um, if anything is sore or hurts or pains once i hit the west side they go away strange and several of the people that i've brought to the top have told me they had um year-long pains or chronic pain and once they came to the top and went down they didn't have it (laughs) yeah so i don't know everybody takes something different away from coming to the top definitely a euphoric experience.
1: It's 11.11pm in Sedona. A host of emergency personnel, law enforcement and onlookers gaze towards the top of Bell Rock. A helicopter circling above the red monolith observes Peter. He's there at the top waiting for a sign for something fantastic to take place, to allow him his leap of faith. It's the winter solstice. It's the end of the Mayan calendar. It's December 21st, 2012. And the vortex
0: never appeared. When I came down from Bell Rock on December 22nd, I had no story anymore. Nothing to look forward to. And I would go down to Red Rock Crossing. I said, you're going to have to give me an idea of what's going on, because I don't know what's going on anymore. And it wasn't a voice, so to speak. It was almost like the water in the creek, as it was running down, was making a sound. And the message was, go with the flow. That's all I had to do, go with the flow. Don't think. Take one day at a time you know look at it like okay you finished that first part but i didn't realize at that time that uh, there was more to it when i thought it was over it wasn't over it wasn't about 11 11 it wasn't about that day that was just one one level it was always 22 22 in 2018 2018 is an 11 year to begin with. So, yeah, it all made sense. It, uh, it's going to be the last episode of the Top of Our Club. That's for sure. There is no 3333, you know, it only goes up 24 hour clock. There's no winter solstices. I even looked at the winter and summer solstices. I tried to find a summer solstice that was better for my story. What are you,
1: what are you going to feel like if nothing happens
0: on that night? Depends i would I would assume that if nothing's going to happen, I'm going to get an inkling of it beforehand. In other words, if I get a sign, then okay, then you know then we'll see what that sign is. That makes it a little bit more you know like okay, I'll get up there unless it's a blizzard, you know what I mean, but um if I don't get a sign, then I'll just wait and see, but it's going to be a whole group of people, you know, depends cloudy night, clear night. The full moon is the next day, so it should be sort of bright there. Kind of interesting, have a party, signaling. You know, we'll do all kinds of strange things, meditation, we'll chant, Who well, you knows? it should be fun. I want to be up there in 11-11. And um, I'm going to stay up there until at least one minute after midnight on the 22nd, unless something happens sooner. Uh, and I'm going to fast the whole time, and I'm going to have to stay up. The whole time? Yeah. Yeah. During my vision quest, I was supposed to stay up the last night of a four-day fast. I didn't. I fell asleep. So I don't know what I missed out or if I missed out of anything. But for some reason, the information I get is that's what I have to do. And it's information that I can understand and relate to. It's almost like a second chance to stay up all night. In other words, I'm going to fast for all day and stay up all night. And maybe that last night, you know, I'm going to see something.
1: We're with Chelsea and Peter back on Bell Rock.
0: But in 2012, when we came up, I figured in my story, if there's gonna be something, a portal opening, something, it would be over here. Mm -hmm. Because this gap over here, we refer to as the dreaded gap, because people have more problems crossing this, I don't know, foot-long gap than they do coming up to the top of Bell Rock or going to any of the other places. It's the ultimate mind fuck. Because it just, you know, they see an opening and right away, they assume it goes all the way to the bottom, and it doesn't, it only goes down five feet. And I've had people that refused to cross, just refused, even under threat that I wasn't going to take them down. They said, fine, I'll stay up here all night. I'm not coming across that. And you can't even fall down in there. It's all in your mind. That's what Bell Rock is. It plays with your mind. It'll find whatever fear you have, fear of heights, fear of falling, self-confidence. Whatever that fear is, it will bring it out magnify it and challenge you to get past it.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. We need your help. Please take a minute or two to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. As you probably know, ratings and reviews are a big deal for new shows, so your contribution will be a huge help. Also, join the Society of UFAMET group on Facebook to keep connected. So we can keep searching together and make sure to follow us at Euphemet on social media. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.